Come on, let's go. It's Sunday. Man, you guys look good today. It's a rainy Sunday in South Carolina, but that's all right because we're in the house of the Lord. We're at church. And uh, I know it's confusing to some people, but like we meet indoors. Um, so the rain doesn't really matter, right? We're good. Uh, so I'm glad you made it. Hey, Pastor Travis mentioned we got some friends in Birmingham. Alabama that are watching us today. Yeah. I need to give a shout out to my friend Vinny and my friend Caprinia, who's watching in Birmingham today. Come on, y'all give it up for those two. Y'all are awesome. It was great meeting you guys uh, while we were out there. Hey, so today we, uh, we, we got a little change up that we made for the day. Um, and, and so I know a lot of you saw the uh, trailer that uh, we were going to tell Elliot's story. And how many of you have that friend uh, in your life that whenever you make a plan, they'll go, hey, I have another plan, and you're like, I don't know about that, and then you make that plan, you're like, that plan's better, right? And they always make the better plan. That's how it is like following God. That's good. Is that there's a friend that's always like, hey, I got a better plan. Like, your plan's good, but if you'll sacrifice good, you can experience great. And I never want to be a church, and I never want to be a person in general, that when God tries to change the plan, I'm so married to my plan that I can't change it. And so as we got closer to the day, Elliot and his family were just like, you know what? Like, we have a story that needs to be shared, but I don't know that now is the time, uh, the perfect time for it. Let me say it this way. Nothing is going wrong, okay? Because here's what I know. What I'm not clear about, people make up their own assumptions That's about. True. Right, okay, y'all getting quiet now. <laughs> y'all like, yeah, you read my mail. That's why. Um, nothing bad is happening. It's nothing bad at all. In fact, I'm proud to be able to say that we serve people, with people, and we're a church that goes, you know what, God, if you got another plan, that's the plan we want to go with. And so that's what we're doing today. We're going to switch right. it up. We'll talk more about what that is to, in a minute. Uh, we'll tell their story eventually, um, but we just felt like God had a different plan today, and we're going to run with that for a little while. But before we do that, I do need to celebrate Elliot and Lindsay and his family. Y'all throw your hands up over here. Uh, I, need, I need to celebrate them. <laughs> Lindsay's like, don't ever do that to me again. <laughs> uh, here's why. Was that the kiss cam? Yeah, that was kiss cam, kiss cam, kiss cam. <laughs> um, here, here's why. Because uh, last year we embarked on an endeavor to launch a new campus uh, on, and I keep saying we're la we launched the campus on accident, um, but we, to launch a new campus in Florence, and Elliot took the past year, and Lindsay let us take him for the past year, <laughs> and drove from Columbia to Florence every week uh, to lead worship, to help teach core values and culture, and get the team strong enough that they could hold it with themselves and get the, the, the policies in place. He worked with Pastor Chris for a year plus to make that happen. Now that that time's up, Elliot is back home in Columbia uh, with our Radiate family here in Columbia, and him and his family can go to church together right here. And so, Elliot, I just want to say in front of everybody and to everybody, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your selfishness, selflessness. And, Lindsay, thank you for real. I know it wasn't easy to not go to church together for a year. I know it, I always do that. I know it wasn't easy to, to kind of split uh, for a whole day whenever you work, you both work hard jobs and all that too. So thank you guys so much. That really does mean a lot to us that you believe in your talent, what God's given you, and you believe in the vision here enough that you were willing to do what it took to help launch something somewhere else. So thank you so much. Y'all give it up for them one more time today. Come on. 
So slight pivot today, instead of hearing Elliot's story now, we're actually going to get to dive into your story, yeah. Pastor. Um, and yeah. This was a conversation point for, for our staff whenever we were going through like the planning phases for this series. Yeah. You know, we, I, I know you really wanted to hear from folks who sit in all the seats from the front all the way to the back of the auditorium, and, and it was a conversation point. I think it was so funny, <laughs> too. Uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before you were on stage and you were saying that, like, yeah, it's a, a modern take on, like, a testimony <laughs> Sunday, which those always go well, don't yeah. they? <laughs> have y'all ever been a part of one of those? Yeah, sometimes you're like, stop, you're getting fired and arrested. Yeah, you're you going to get arrested. You shouldn't have said that out loud. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. Thank, thank God that was back before some live streaming, though, for some of those, yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's true. Because yeah. that would probably be used in court. But anyway, uh, I digress. <laughs> but um, so we talked we talk about, <laughs> talk about telling your story, and, and you I mean, so nobly just, you know, declined, like I said, so we could hear them from front all the way to the back of the auditorium. But it's really important that we do hear your story, and the reason why and this is just my humble opinion, is that your story is the reason we're all sitting in the same church or watching the same message right now. And your story has impacted all of our lives in small ways and in great ways. Mm. And so one thing I do know is that you've been in ministry for 21 years, yeah. which is impressive because you're only 30 years old, so you must have given your first message <laughs> back in the nursery it's back in the it's day. It's great. I was nine years old laying hands on people. Come on, praise oh, God. Man. Let's go. Yeah, so receive Jesus, hallelujah. <laughs> 20, man, you, you don't get to 21 years in ministry by not at some point in time having some sort of experience with church and it changing. So tell, tell us where all this stuff started, maybe a little bit your upbringing, and then we'll kind of kind of dive into some, some parts of your story. Well, I think anybody that gives their life to ministry is partly crazy anyway, so... Uh, no, you started I, as a drug baby, correct? Yeah, <laughs> y'all. This is the worst joke ever told Pastor on stage. Chris, Pastor Chris is going to get on to both of us for that joke. I just want you to know. We can edit it out. Uh, no, it's uh, yeah. My parents drugged me to church my entire life, <laughs> and uh, they did. So I have amazing uh, Bible believing, Christ following parents. Uh, nobody has a perfect life, but I, I do believe I, I was pretty close. Maybe that's because I was the baby of the family, so I had you know. Um, I still get about whatever I want, and um, <laughs> but no, they so uh, yeah, they they raised me in church, and church was a big part. That's whenever you had Sunday morning church, you had Sunday school, so you went for Sunday school. My mom was a Sunday school superintendent uh, for years. Couldn't miss him. I couldn't miss. But true story, there's a guy that sits in our church right now. His dad was my Sunday school teacher. I was the only student that he consistent or ever kicked out of Sunday school. He literally made me sit in the hallway because I wouldn't shut up. You got detention from Sunday <laughs> it's school. It's true, I did. Yeah. It was bad. And my mom's Sunday school superintendent, she walked by to collect the book, the attendance book. She'd be like, what are you doing now? And I'm like, Mr. Tim said I couldn't sit in class anymore. She was like, I'm sure it's his fault. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, so you had Sunday school and then Sunday morning worship, you know, and then you go to lunch for a little while, go home and change. But my dad was like, you ain't looking like you're going to the park. So I had to stay dressed nice, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, um, and so then you had Sunday night church, and then you had Wednesday night church. Mm-hmm. I didn't miss any of that. And then if you had youth group and stuff like that, and that's back whenever you did sports, but sports, they didn't touch Sunday and they didn't touch Wednesday. Yeah, you're right. Because they were like, those are church days. You don't ever hear that anymore. So, yeah, I was raised in that at 15 years old, went to a youth conference called uh, Fire and Ice. Mm-hmm. It's now called Accelerant, International Pentecostal Holiness Church event. And, um, yes, I'm a holy roller. And um, run on the backs of pews, raised and all that stuff. And, um, and I gave my life to the Lord at 15. I walked down 
and uh, submitted my life to Jesus. And uh, at that moment, I remember my youth pastor, Jonathan Cook, at the time, walked up to me, and he was like, Brandon, you got a big call on your life. You're going to impact thousands of people. You know, God's going to use you greatly, uh, but you got to get your stuff together. <laughs> and I was like, yes, sir, I do. And then at 16, uh, not even a year later, he um, gave me the first opportunity I ever had to preach in front of my peers during our youth group when he was out of town one day. And I preached on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Couldn't say their names, so I called them S, uh, M, and A. That's all I said, S, M, and A. And uh, it was didn't have nine, lower thirds back then to help you out. Do what? Uh, they, they didn't have, have lower thirds. They didn't have any of that. Yeah. I was just like S M and A. And if you didn't know the Bible, then you were sitting there like, "What is that?" I, he's in speaking in tongues at sixteen. It's great. And um, so yeah, I said all that, and then um, it was a nine-minute sermon. So I became the favorite person to ever preach in our youth group at that point. <laughs> and I knew I just caught fire at that point. I knew God said, "Hey, this is what I want you to do," and I knew in me. I just enjoyed it because sometimes, Travis, finding your call is not an audible thing. It's not just going to fall in your lap. Sometimes yeah. it's encouragement from others, and your call is often found in your next step. Mm, that's good. So sometimes you just got to take the opportunity that's in front of you, and you'll find your call in that. It was because my youth pastor was like, I want you to preach, and I was, he was a big man. Yeah. I was scared. <laughs> so I was like, yes, sir. And I did, that's only partially true, and, and I did, and that's where I found, like, dude, I could do this the rest of my life. And then you got some opportunities after that to go yeah. into ministry, kind of early on, right, in your 20s? Yeah, yeah, so uh, right after that, I wasn't a model, like, I wasn't a perfect high schooler, you know, like, um, I was the preacher, I started a Bible group in, in high school, went on to college, Emanuel College in Franklin Springs, Georgia, if you don't know where that is. Look on the map, you still won't find it, but it's there. <laughs> um, but I went to college there, and at 18 years old, uh, I took a youth ministry position at a church in Bullsnort, Georgia. It's a real place, y'all. It's a real place. Um, and a tiny little church, and they said, I think it was like 200 a week, I think it was. And Rolling in it. And rolling in it, baby, come on. <laughs> but all they wanted me to do, the best setup I ever had in my life, all they wanted me to do was teach Sunday school for an hour to two teenagers. That's all they had. So it was $100 a kid, baby. I was like, let's go. <laughs> Commission. And uh, so I did, and then, uh, and then this is funny, kind of. Um, you had to go to church on Wednesday nights. Like, you had to go to church Sunday morning and Wednesday night at that school. And uh, you had to go to their service on Wednesday night unless you had a church. The only church I had was the one that I was serving at. And sure. literally, it, it packed out at 20 people. I mean, it was just small. And uh, I said, I don't have a church I can go to on Wednesdays. But I can start a youth service, so I don't have to go to their services. So I started a youth service. We grew the ministry to about 25 kids, and um, that was fun. I turned it over when I left. I turned it over to a kid that was in the youth group when I took over. That's cool. So that was neat. And then I left college with a degree, and I took a full-time position at um, Georgetown Pentecostal Holiness Church. Still Holy Roller, y'all. Still Holy Roller. Georgetown Pentecostal Holiness Church. Great time, except I was 20 years old. Right. And they wanted me to be the associate pastor and the youth pastor. And, uh, man, I couldn't have led my way out of a wet paper bag at that point. <laughs> like, it was bad. And uh, it, that wasn't the best of experiences. Well, it's really important you say that, too, because I think so many of us in the room today can relate to, like, um, hey, we have these big moments where we think we know what we're going to do yeah. for the rest of our life. 
and then we start living through, you know, our, our teens, our 20s, and our identity changes a little bit. And sometimes what we thought we were going to do kind of wavers, and you kind of even experience that, right? Yeah, so uh, there's a difference in knowing what you're supposed to do and walking it out. That's good. That's I think somebody. there's a lot of people in the room probably know what they're supposed to do. They're scared to death to walk it out because walking it out takes effort. And uh, I just was young enough, and I had nothing to lose, so I started walking it out. But in the moment of walking it out, uh, I experienced some very difficult times. Um, a lot. Now, I'm not blaming it on anybody else because a lot was my own doing. Some of it was others, but I, I, I take responsibility for I was 20 years old. Sure. And uh, it didn't turn out extremely well. So, I, you know, in that position, um, it, did, it, wasn't, it didn't go like I thought it would go. Yeah. So I resigned, I resigned fired. Uh, from that, and uh, I wasn't officially fired, but uh, <laughs> I quit before they could fire me, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, that's life, right? You can walk out what you think is right, uh, and you still don't go like you think it should. So how did you deal with like that first like disappointment at an age where you're supposed to be doing the thing? Oh, yeah, not well. <laughs> no, I walked away from it all. I walked away. In that moment, see, what I, here's what I realized, Travis, in that moment, was um, my life, my faith, I thought was tied to God, but it was tied to people. Oh, wow. And it was tied to the organization of the church. So when the church, and there were some things that happened where the church hurt me, um, but it, was also, it wasn't all them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was me, too. Yeah. And so when the church hurt me or people hurt me in that moment, what happened was... God had now turned his back on me and wasn't real. So my faith never was rooted in him. My faith was rooted in the approval and the value that others gave me. Wow. And at that point in my life, even though I was trying to walk out the call God had on my life, I was still striving way more than I was striding. I was still striving for somebody to give me acceptance and value and go, hey, you're doing a great job. You're growing that ministry. You're doing this. And, you know, As long as people were pumping me out, up, God was good. But the moment my balloon got deflated, God was no longer good. And he was punishing me, which is a pretty selfish way to look at life. Yeah. And so in that moment, uh, I gave, uh, because of what took place in my life during walking out the call, because once you walk out the call, Travis, it's supposed to be easy, man. <laughs> it never gets hard again. You know, all your problems go away. You got all your money. God takes care of it. You can sit around, never have to fill out a job application. The money just comes in because you're following God. I'm being really sarcastic now, by the way. <laughs> um, and so in that moment when it was hard to follow God, I walked away from it all. Uh, I told God I was done with ministry. I told God I was done with him. And I, my girlfriend was a great believer, a great example in my life. She was on a missions trip, and I was like, I'm so done that I pulled into, in my work truck at that time, I pulled into a driveway, called her on the phone, and broke up with her. Because, yeah, yeah, I know. All right, okay. There's a lot of judgment that came from that. <laughs> rightfully so, rightfully so. And I did, because yeah. I, I didn't want anything to do with God. So I spent the next, uh, instead of building my faith in God, I built it in people. And whenever people let me down, God let me down. It's because God let me down. Jack Daniels never would. Um, Southern Comfort never would. Um, Natty Light never would. You know, whatever it was. Um, other illegal substances never would. Sure. And what I realized was when everybody else walked out on me when life got hard, if I had enough money to buy the right things to gather my friends, they were there. I feel like that's so many people in the room's story. And 
and I, I can totally relate to you. It's almost like a coping mechanism. Yeah. And so at this moment in your life, you're, you're wrestling with the fact that you, you believe God's called you yeah. to do something more than you can do yourself. Yeah. It didn't work out. You're taking matters in your own hands. I'm, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Yeah. And you're just kind of coping. Coping, yeah. And so you're, you're just well, going through life. Yeah. And then it takes <laughs> even another crazier turn. Yeah. So, yeah. What happens next? Well, here's the thing about coping, Travis. Uh, everybody medicates. Yeah. Everybody medicates. Most people don't do it healthy. Mm. So, like, medicating is like if golf is therapy for you and you're stressed, go play golf. Just leave the Budweiser's in the cart. Sure. I mean, in the clubhouse. Yeah. Because you're coping the wrong way. You know That's what I'm good. saying? Like, everybody medicates, and it, you got to medicate the right way. Uh, and I wasn't doing it the right way. I mean, there was weeks and days where I was just, I just wasn't sober. I, I didn't care to be, didn't want to be. I was running from God. So, yeah, 22 years old, I'm, I'm, I'm living a life that I never thought I would. And I'm going to condense this part um, of the story. But I, I went in uh, for a job. Long story short, about passed out, some things going on. And uh, go to the doctor. My mom uh, made me. <laughs> I'm a mama's boy. I know best. Uh, mom, I know you watching. <laughs> Your baby boy up here, you know. I'm better than I was, mom, you know. Um, and uh, y'all know my mom. Most of you know my mom. She's amazing. My mom and dad are incredible individuals. Um, but anyway, went to the doctor. They ran some tests and just to see what was going on. Uh, I didn't want to be there. I wanted to make more money uh, so I could throw more parties. And um, anyway, through all that, uh, doctor, I'll never forget, nurse was like, all right, you stay right here and don't move. I'm going to get the doctor right now. And I was like, well, that sounded very urgent. Um, And so uh, he comes in, reads everything, tells me what's going on. And um, he looks at me and he goes, you got to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, I got to go work, bro. You know, bro wasn't a word then, but (laughs) it shouldn't be a word now, to be honest. Um, you know, and so I said, no, I got to go to work. And, um, and he was like, no, uh, you can go by ambulance or you can drive. I'll allow you to drive yourself if somebody follows you or, or is on the phone with you. Seriously. Uh, cause it was that serious of a heart thing. So I couldn't make the decision. Called my ma. I said, ma, uh, I don't know what you ever been. So and that's important because you ever been so shocked, uh, that you can't think straight. Mm. Here's why I say that. Um, that's why you need people around you that care about you. That's good. So that that's they good. can walk you through those moments. That's good. When your marriage gets hard and you can't make a decision, you need somebody that cares about your marriage. Mm. That you can go, I need lunch or a phone call because I need help. That's good. And my mom was like, all right, if you can drive, we'll stay on the phone. You know, anyway, I went to the doctor, I mean hospital, stayed there a couple days. They figured out what was going on over the course of a couple months. Um, and then they were like, hey, we got a two-hour surgery we're going to do. We can fix it up. You're good, to, good as new, good to go. I was like, let's go. At this point, I was 23. I had experienced my 23rd birthday during a lot of this. And um, so I was 23. Um, and and uh, they go in for the surgery, and it's a six-hour surgery instead of two. And my parents were freaking out because nobody updated them on anything. Oh, um, because honestly, it was that important of a thing they couldn't really leave uh, you know, emergency room or operating room so anyway I get out of surgery I wake up 
you know, from the good stuff that makes you see purple unicorns and just want <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches right afterwards. And they're like, here's an ice chip. And I'm like, that's <laughs> not the same. Not even close. Not even close. And um, so anyway, you know, I was like, hey, we fix it. And he was like, not exactly. Uh, we're going to have to send you to another doctor um, next week, you know. And he said, but don't worry, we're going to send you the best one in the state. He just so happens to be in Columbia. And I was like, okay, great. I'm fine with that. And I looked down and I had a burn here, burn here, and a burn here. And I was like, hey, Doc, what's that? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and he goes, we had to shock you three times in the middle of surgery um, to get your heart back right. Um, and I was like, oh, that sounds comforting. And um, like, th- this is how I think, y'all. Y'all are getting an inside glimpse today. And here's what I did. I prayed a prayer, and I said, all right, God. I said, I give you my life. I don't want to go to hell. I said, forgive me. I'm sorry. I give you what I got. I just don't want to go to hell. But here's what I I also said. I will not go back into ministry. Mm. I'm making too much money. I'm good. Um, I don't want to go to hell, so I'll cut back on what I was doing. But don't ever ask me to go back into ministry again. I won the negotiation. I negotiated with God, (laughs) Travis Lucas. It was amazing. And a week later, going to surgery, comes out. Six, that one goes six and a half hours. Uh, wasn't supposed to. Go into surgery. Come out. Doctor's at the foot. I'm like, hey, is it fixed? He's like, yeah, I think so. Which is what you want to hear from a doctor after you've done surgery on you for six hours. Um, and he, I heard him telling my mom that they had to keep my heart beating for 10 minutes mm-hmm. through a computer because during the surgery it had stopped uh, at, that, at that moment. And, uh, and, and they just had to keep it going, and, and it just, it, I guess, they shocked it back in, or it got back in rhythm, or something. I don't know what happened. Um, and I remember the doctor saying this. It's by the hand of God that he got out of there. Wow. I remember that. I might have seen purple unicorns, but I heard that. And uh, so that night, you know, he, he looks at me and my parents. He goes, 90% of the time, I'd send them home. I just feel like I want to keep him tonight. So I was like, all right, cool. More hospital food. That sounds good. And <laughs> so I stayed, uh, sent my mom home. I was like, Mom, just go home, get some rest. You had not rested in a week, two weeks, a year, whatever it's been. Yeah. She goes home, and I think it was like 7, 7.05, something like that. My heart rate drops from 60s, 70s to 30, low 30s. And it felt like you and your entire family were standing on my chest, jumping up and down, caving in on me, couldn't breathe. I'm throwing up off this side of the bed. They're pumping. All of a sudden, the movie opens up. Alarms are going off. Nurses are running in the door. They start pumping fluids into this arm to get the heart rate up. It was drugs um, to a sustainable, healthy rate. My dad's tearing up. He's holding my hand, telling me it's going to be okay. And I remember saying something along the lines of, Dad, make it stop hurting or let me die. Um, Which, looking at my life with three kids, a beautiful wife, an incredible church, so much now. That's a pretty heavy statement. Yeah, yeah, it's a horrifying statement. Anyway, they get me stable, and they go, you got to spend the night in ICU. Uh, we got to be able to get to you as fast as possible. And I was like, all right, you know, like you don't have to say so at that point. So I went in, and uh, I remember laying in ICU bed, and there's what I prayed. I said, God, you've obviously kept me here for a reason. I give you everything. I'll do whatever you ask. I will not waste another vapor. I will not waste another day. And, um, and that was, that doctor comes in the next morning, 
And um, he goes, you got, you, you need a pacemaker, but I can't make you get one. And he was like, if you don't have a pacemaker, you're probably not going to live very long or a good life. Sure. Uh, if you have one, we can keep your heart rate sustained and, and, and healthy. And I was like, well, that's not much of an option. <laughs> so I took the pacemaker and uh, yeah, and, and that, you know, that was that part of the journey. So, so Ashley and I walked through the door 10 years ago. Yep. And so grateful for that moment. Well, I appreciate it. For that. real. Uh, I got asked to play bass that day. And I remember looking at you and you and I knew each other previously yeah. Just in passing. We don't, they don't need to know why. They, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You are, some, some things are better left unsaid. Sure. No, say just, that for your book. Just kidding. Yeah. But, um, there you go. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember thinking to myself, whatever Jesus has done in your life, mm. I want him to do in mine. Wow. And so what in the world happened from the minute that you found out you had a pacemaker to going, hey, I think we need to, to give this ministry thing another try? Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, it's so... It's so funny, because one of my first questions to the doctor was, will this ever come out of my body? And he was like, yeah, it could. And that's a no, you know? Yeah. Um, but I was told by people that if I prayed hard enough and had enough faith, God would heal me from it. Oh, man. And I'm 16 years in, and God hadn't ever taken it. And I just decided to look at theology instead of other people's opinions and understand that God does what he wants, not what I want. And so in that moment, um, Travis, I, I worked through those emotions. I worked through, and we can get into this later if you want, but sure. depression, anxiety has popped up at this point. I mean, you're 23 years old with a heart problem. And I got an opportunity to be a youth pastor at my home church. And I turned down a six-figure job um, that they offered, that somebody offered me, not the church. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wish. I, I looked at the boss that was offering me that, and I said, I can't take it. And he was like, why? He was like, dude, you will. He was offering me a sales job. He was like, you're going to kill. Your personality will rake it in. And I was like, yeah, it will. You're right. Uh, <laughs> I said, and I remember looking across the desk, and I said, yeah, but God called me to be in ministry. Mm. And I got to go do that. So I turned down <laughs> turned down six figures to take 25000 And uh <laughs> It's a good financial problem there, and, uh, and God's been faithful. So I entered ministry, and then I just felt God start to call, call us to plant a church at that point. And so somehow or another in this entire story, your, your breakup story gets redeemed. Pat yeah. Megan comes back in the picture. Yeah, her name was Megan Giordano, you know. <laughs> and she, listen, this is, this is true. Y'all... Yeah. She didn't want anything to do with me. I couldn't get her to text me, call me, nothing. I had, you know, you all died. this stuff. And, until I died twice. <laughs> and then she calls me. She's like, I broke your heart, didn't I? <laughs> no, I'm just. <laughs> that is our joke now. But then she was like, I just want to make sure you're alive. Sure. <laughs> you know, and you're okay. And I was like, I mean, I'm here. And there was a process, and yeah, and we started dating again. We were trying to figure out what our first date was back the other day. We have no idea what our first date was again. No clue. Can't remember. Don't even, can't even tell you why she said yes to another date or where I took her. But uh, a year later, we got engaged, and so now we're married. At, at some point in time, you know, you guys are sitting in the same room, and the conversation comes up, what if we start something? Yeah. I mean, walk us through that. She was pregnant. 
And I was like, I think God's telling us to leave everything and plant a church. And she's Impeccable like, I don't timing. think, I think that's the taco. Impeccable timing. <laughs> don't, think, don't think that was God there, brother. Uh, uh, no, it, it, she was, against, and she'll tell you she was against it. And I was like, well, let's just pray about it for a while. I'm pretty hard-headed. Um, and so I just knew, and I honestly knew God would tell her. And she came to me one night, one Sunday night after church. She was like, it's time. And I was like, I know, it's time. And we went and talked to the pastor. And here was the vision, man. It wasn't like, y'all, there's churches on every corner. Um, it wasn't start another church. It was let's start a church that serves the community better than any business ever could. That's good. Let's start a church where the next generation doesn't want to leave. And let's start a church where everybody can come in and no matter where they are in life, they now are a part of a family that loves them Love that. and can introduce them to a God that makes them better. Mm. That's, that's what the heart was. I went and sat with my senior pastor at the time, man, and that was, I did not want to leave that church. You know exactly the church I'm talking about. I didn't right. want to leave. I love that place um, still to this day so much. And um, I sat down and I told him and I was crying because I didn't want to leave. And he looked at me. He sat back. He's a big guy, y'all. He's like a linebacker guy. Like, he's he's a big dude. I'm not. I was smaller then than I am now. <laughs> and uh, he crosses his arms, sits back in his chair, and he starts laughing. And I was like, this is where it ends. This is it. This is over. <laughs> and he goes, uh, I knew that two months ago. Wow. I've just been waiting on you to come and tell me. And I was like, okay, thanks for telling me that. <laughs> and... Um, and they sent us out to, to plant Radiate Church. Which is a sermon itself, sending well. Oh, man, yeah, I could talk on that for days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It sent us out, financially helped us, kept me on staff for a year. It was one of my four jobs in the beginning of the church plant. Um, yeah. Well, I was about to say, you know, for, for anybody in the room who doesn't know, um, starting a church is the most simple, easy, <laughs> fluid, nothing will ever go wrong thing yeah. you, could, you could ever do in your entire life. You're doing life. it for the kingdom. <laughs> nothing happens. It's great. So, uh, we, but, you know, in all, in, all, <laughs> in all seriousness, you know, we hear you from stage. You talk about a, different, a lot of different verses and, and that mean a lot to you and, and moments in our Bible you can relate to. Um, you do quote Romans 8.28 so all many times time. that God works all things uh, for the good of those. And, and, and church planting, growing a church... <laughs> how you have, it's not easy. So what, what does it mean to you when you think about the all things, the rainy days too? And could you talk about some of those? Because you said, you know, even, even just recently, you know, th there are rainy days. Yeah. How do you deal with those? How do you deal with those now? Yeah, that's a great question. So when we started the church, you think when you're doing something for God, and this is a word for somebody, you think whenever you're chasing what God wants you to do that there are no hard moments. Y'all, I worked four jobs, drained my savings to pay rent and get this thing off the ground. Um, couldn't buy diapers. Literally, a, a wind blew a $20 bill across my foot one day uh, when I went to go leave to buy diapers with our bank account in the negative. Had no idea if I was coming back with diapers or I was going to steal somebody's washcloths. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know. It was legit. And um, I, I got so many of those stories. So just because you're following God doesn't make it easy. Yeah. Doing the right thing isn't always the easy thing, and the easy thing isn't always the right Come thing. Come on, that's good. You know, you got to decide, if I'm going to do this, I'm going all in with God, and yeah. if it fails, what have I lost? Right. Nothing, you know? And so, yeah, doing it with a heart condition is, you know, like <laughs> crazy um, because there are still days, you know, 
five, six years ago, had a surgery where they, they had to um, cut open my ribs and deflate a lung and put a wire in externally that took, I showed up, I'll never forget, you preached in our LaGrand campus, and I sat in the back, I was a back row Baptist that day, but the reason was, I'm just kidding, if you're Baptist, it's a joke, <laughs> it's a joke, y'all, calm down, um, but I, the reason was, I didn't want anybody bumping into me, because I was still ex- incredibly sore from everything, and I remember you walked up to me before church, and I was as pale as Justin's white shirt is, mm-hmm. our electric guitarist, and, um, and you walked up to me, and you were like, are you sure you're supposed to be here, and I was like, <laughs> no, but I had to come. Uh, I love this place, and I left early and all that stuff. But anyway, um, yeah, there's rainy days. There's days you don't feel like doing it. There's, uh, I'd be lying to you if I said that there's not depression days, yeah. you know, where there's days like, God, why do I have to live with a pacemaker, you know? Um, I have to go to the doctor every six months. Every month I have to tap in wirelessly for a report to be sent to my doctor because at any moment, you know, last year, they detected something on my pacemaker, pulled me in, and they were like, that's a stroke pattern, you know, so we need to know what, that's last year, y'all. Uh, we grew 28% last year. Yeah. So if you don't think that hard things can happen in good times, you're crazy. Wow, that's a word. But it right doesn't in. make things bad. That's right. why Romans eight twenty eight is so important. You've watched me walk into meetings, and you can just tell, man, like you don't feel good. I'm, I'm, there's anxiety. Like, is this going to be my last day? Um. That happens. Uh, there's somebody in our church that deals with a very similar heart condition. Double. And when she yeah. struggles in ways that I'm not, I, anxiety pops up. Like, when's, my, when's that going to happen to me? You know, and the same with her. But Travis, that's where Romans 8.28 comes in. Everything works together for God's good. It doesn't mean it's going to be good when you go through it. But it means when you go through it, he will work it, and it will be good in the end. That's good. You know, like, yeah, I, there's days, man, that's hard. There's days I, I don't sleep well sometimes. Like, I'm physically sleeping, but my heart rate's up. So I'm actually running a marathon for six hours all night while I should be sleeping. And so I get up, and I'm like, I got nothing to give today. It's a mental struggle as much as a physical um, we're in one of the greatest seasons of our church's life. That's true. And in the middle of that, you know this, I have to learn sometimes how to lead differently than other people do because I have a capacity that's, that caps me sometimes yeah. or a, a, a handicap, if you will, that caps yeah. me sometimes. And that's okay. You just have to go, God, I gave it all to you. And when I gave it all to you, I didn't say I'll follow you when I feel good. I said, I'll follow you through life. And when I said yes to a church, when my wife said yes to a church, when we decided when we should have closed up, y'all, it took us over three years to break 75 people at this church. We didn't break 200 people for six years. You're sitting in something that honestly, we told this story to a group of pastors this week. They're like, that is a miraculous story. You never should be at where you are right now. You know why? You don't quit. That's right. We got people that like to quit way too much. You like, I'm going to be honest. There's too many people that would like to quit more than they like to persevere. Mm. God ain't looking for people to just go, I quit, God, it ain't right. No, God's looking for people to go, I'll dig a ditch when it ain't raining. That's good. 
I'll be ready for what's coming before it ever comes. I'll be the one that steps up when I ain't got nothing left, and I'll give everything I got left because it's in my weakness he's made strong. That's good. Not in my strength he's made strong. In my weakness, when I got nothing left, when I hadn't slept that night, when I can't think straight, when I'm moody, when I don't feel good, <coughs> when I feel like giving it all in, throwing it all away, I've gone through suicidal thoughts in the past, all that stuff. Listen, those are the moments he's made strong. That's You're good. not. And so some of you need to quit quitting in your weakness and start letting him boast in your weakness. That's good. That's what Paul says. Yeah, three people got that. Three people. No, I'm just kidding. Well, Pastor, I I really appreciate you um, saying yes to starting a church. I truly do believe our um, church is, is crafted with your story in mind. We we see opportunity in others that maybe everyone else doesn't. We mm-hmm. see a second, third, and a fourth chance that a lot of other people don't get. Um, we see special God. things in each and every person. We truly do believe that God redeemed and called everybody to make a difference. And we make our vapor count. And, and, I, and I love how um, since our church has been in existence, that's been a part of our DNA yeah. in who we are. And so I, I think the, the best thing we could do just as a church family is just take a minute stand to our feet, honor you for your yes, honor you for your story, because we wouldn't have what we have. My life would never have been changed had your heart had been normal. Well, It never would have. And I think that's so many of us in our room. So what I'd love to do is just stand to our feet, give honor to the voice of the house. Say thank you for your yes. We love you. We do believe the best is still to come. Thank you for your story and for your yes. Hey, well, I've got everybody to your feet. Can I just pray for us? And then what Pastor Brandon and I would love to do, just tell you about two or three things, and we're going to allow you to grab your kids and and go have lunch. Um, But I just want to pray over our church. I really want to thank the Lord for you, Pastor, but I also want to pray that he takes your story and inspires something inside of each and every one of us. Yeah, and that's my hope before you pray. My hope is that you don't walk out of here and go, Pastor Brandon's story. It's really a story of God's redemption more than anything. Yeah. Uh, I just happen to have a wild set of circumstances that are continuing to on go. But I want you to know there's a gift in you, and God's ready for you to make your vapor count. You get whatever minutes in a day you get, and you don't know when you'll get them again. You can never go back and be the dad that you wanted to be. You can never go back and be the leader and the pastor and the, make it count. Make it count and make it count today. Follow God today. We'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. But give him all you got today. That's good. Church, let's bow our heads. Lord, I thank you so much for Pastor Brandon and really his entire entire family. Lord, I, I thank you for his yes. I thank you for taking his story, Lord, and giving him the inspiration to follow you in such a way that, God, that now all of our stories are different because you chose to heal his body in a way that he never thought. Lord, there are actually hearts that came alive for the first time. Lord, I thank you for his yes so deeply on a personal level and a corporate level for our church, God. But we know that every one of us has a story, God. We've all had 
positive experiences and traumatic experiences, and all those things culminate into the person that we are, God, but you see us so differently through your eyes, Lord. And so I pray that as we encounter pastor story and why our church exists and why we're all one big family together, that we know you're the author and finisher of our fate and that you're not done with us, that our best is still yet to come, that you come, God, and you can use all things, the good, the bad, the rainy days, and the sunny days, and they all culminate to bring you glory, to help know you more, and to help make you known, Lord. And I thank you for pastor's story and his family's story, God, and we thank you for what you're doing in the lives of each and every person, Lord, and we, and we just thank you and we honor you. It's in your name, by your spirit, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, real quick, we've got uh, some things. Travis is going to tell us a little bit more in just a minute, but one of the greatest things that I think we do here at Radiate is we serve. We love to serve. We love to give everybody an opportunity to use the gift in them, and we have a, a, a session called that we call Engage. It's, a, it's really a, a system we have here, and if I'm going to be transparent, it's, it's simply to give you the ins and the outs of Radiate Church, the, the whys and the whats. And, but here's what we want to do with it. We go through that, and then we go, where are you gifted to serve? Because here's what I believe. I believe one of the greatest ways you can grow closer to God is by serving others. Absolutely. I truly believe that. Absolutely. And uh, you got something to add to the kingdom of God. you got something to add to this local body called Radiate Church, and you got something to do that God's asked you to do, and we want to be a part of that. So if you'd be interested in knowing more about Radiate or maybe even unlocking what God's put in you and opportunity to serve, I would love to be a part of that with you. I just greeted our first week of guys that are going through it right now today, and um, man, what a class that's going to be. I love it. And uh, here's what I want you to do. Either scan that QR code with your camera on your phone or Swing by, find somebody with a yellow shirt on, yeah. and just tell them, hey, I want to know more about Engage. And, uh, man, they'll get you plugged in. We just want to find where you are gifted, and let's use our abilities to reach as many people as absolutely possible. And in a couple weeks, Travis, we got Mother's Day coming up. I love right. Mother's Day, right? I'm a mama's boy. It's going to be Child Dedication Day, right? And my beautiful bride is going to be preaching for us that day. It's going to be awesome. And uh, Travis, tell us where to get some invite cards so we can pack this place out. Absolutely. Listen, one of the best things you can do to help grow closer to Jesus is take them on your journey, your story with you. So when you exit today, you're going to see a sign that has tons of Mother's Day invites, and that way you can invite all the special ladies in your life to join you for church, not even just for Mother's Day, but we'd love to see them next Sunday yeah. as well. But I think we're at the point where we need to tell everybody one good thing. You ready? Good thing. You ready? Let's, Let's go, go change, change the world. world. See we'll you see guys next, next week. Love you guys.